Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I keep reading that you are engaged to football great Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> is, that, is that true? Are congratulations in order? I mean, I've been reading that too, which is kind of, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yes, we are engaged. When we met also, like I knew he was a football guy, but I didn't know like what kind of a football guy he was. Oh um, and I'm still constantly learning. I'm still like, oh, wow. You know, friends would be like, you got to watch his YouTube greatest or you got, and I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. He's good. He's yeah, great. He's like, really I, don't, good. I don't understand. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Cause I don't know football guy i know him as like the nerd who wants to host jeopardy you know like that's the dude i know <laughs> shailene woodley i thought she was going to deny it at first that was kind of a a confusing setup there but then she did admit to jimmy fallon under uh, aggressive interrogation that yes indeed she is engaged to aaron Rodgers, and he will be hosting jeopardy starting april 5 for two weeks he and a i can't a wait small group of others it'll right. be it'll be fun to see and i've uh, been watching we, we talked about we talked about this briefly back when we were trying to figure out what he meant when he said what he said after the season ending loss to the buccaneers if they would offer him that gig right if they get to june july Stop and it. They say, Stop it. Stop it. I'm just I just gonna have to make. I just I'm just saying What do they pay? If, if what do they pay if, to be the Jeopardy host? Do we know that? Do we know what they pay? You, you get to do it a lot longer. I, and I have a feeling I have a feeling it pays pretty well. I would think. And but but if they would come to him in June and say, You killed it, you were awesome, you were great, you were better than all the others that we had, better than Katie Kirk, better than Anderson Cooper, better than Dr. Sanjay Gupta, better than Dr. Oz, who's actually one of the people. Who are they is, are all the these guest people? Wow. All these people. Savannah wow. Guthrie is doing it. So uh, you're better than all of them, Aaron. You're, you're the guy. You're the guy who's meant for this job. We want you to take this job. The only problem is it's kind of a full-time gig. <laughs> yeah, can't of. play football. Can't, can't commute back and forth from Green Bay on your day off. We yeah. can't, we can't tape five shows on your Tuesday off. Uh, I, I tell you what be hard to say no to that if there's a lot of ifs there yeah there's a lot a of lot, ifs there right <laughs> but the same confidence that has made him one of the best quarterbacks of all time has him at least thinking in some segment of his brain that he could go in there and he could pull it off and he could be the best one of all the guest hosts and there is a chain of logic somewhere rattling around in that big brain of his that has him at least thinking through the flow chart of what would happen I, if if it was if this was like four years from now, I would go. Windows not going to open four years from now. I Windows know. Going to open once in his life. Okay, well, there's only one window right now to to place quarterback and win Super Bowls, and I don't think he's backing down from that quite yet. As close as he is with this team, as awesome as he's playing, I mean, man, 
I, I just, I yes, I don't think that's happening. So let's not go down Crazyville too far. I am excited. I watch Jeopardy. I like Jeopardy. My Aunt Wendy is a huge Jeopardy watcher. She has gotten me into that. So I cannot wait to check him out. Um, we'll see where it goes. What is concrete line in the sand? <laughs> Waiting for that. Simsism. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> that would that be, would be awesome. a whole category. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the the reason that we're even starting down this path, we're looking at the various divisions of the NFL this week and next week. Today is NFC North Day. The Packers, the kings of the NFC North for the past couple of years, 13 and 3 each of the last two seasons. They've got some work to do, though. All four teams in negative cap territory based on this reduced cap that is estimated to be in the range of $180 million. They got some free agents that they're going to have to get very creative with and or let walk away. They've got their work cut out for them, but the Packers, to the extent that we have this chain reaction of guys who are cut, of free agents who don't get what they're looking for elsewhere, that could be a destination for someone who's looking to chase a championship and join forces with Aaron Rodgers for a season or two. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, I would think that would be, I mean, certainly one of the top three or four teams as far as those guys are concerned. Um, you know, one positive thing for Green Bay, or there's a lot of positive things here. I mean, come on, Green Bay's, a, a, you know, gone to the NFC Championship game two years in a row. As much as, you know, we, we want to bag on, on Gutenkoos and everything like that for not drafting more weapons, he still has you know, developed a very fine football team here. As critical as we've been about what he did last year in the draft. I still don't like it. Yeah, okay, it doesn't make sense to me right now. Uh, you didn't go all in with the, the best guy on your team, and he's got some really good years. That bothers me. There's no doubt about that. But the team is, for the most part, in a very good spot. It's really just a lot of just icing on the cake, at least for my money right now. And then, you know, when you talk about their free agents – there's only one that I – hey, I, I, I love Aaron Jones. I don't think it's like, oh, my gosh, if they don't have Aaron Jones back, they won't be any good. I, I don't think it's that, that you know, type of uh, – what do I want to say? You know, player, moment, whatever else. The one guy I look at is Corey Lindsley, the center. He is the best center in football. That would be one that you'd go, well, I, they need to get him back. He's pretty damn special, and they got that run game going. But Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents. They got A.J. Dillian. I can't imagine them with, like you talked about, the salary cap issue, throwing out a huge amount of money to Aaron Jones at this point. So that's going to be the first thing I'm going to have my eye on here as we get closer to free agency. And you got to wonder behind the scenes, what is Aaron Rodgers lobbying for? Does he want Aaron Jones to stick around? At one point in the 2019 season, Rodgers was saying Aaron Jones – is an MVP candidate, and he did have a special year. It was kind of up and down for him in 2020, and a lot of it depends upon the commitment. There's only one football. How much do you showcase Aaron Jones? And, of course, if you're thinking about keeping him on a reasonable contract, you don't want to overdo it with the Aaron Jones touches and opportunities in the year that he's heading toward the open market. Right. And that's really going to be the question. What else is out there? Usually with running backs, someone explained this to me last year, and it makes a ton of sense. Running backs tend to only get really big money from the teams that they got no started question. with. No question. That that's the team that feels like it's handcuffed, that it has to placate the fan base and keep the star running back around. You hit the open market, all of a sudden you're Melvin Gordon and you're getting $8 million a year. You stay where you are, you're getting $13, 14000000 million a year, maybe more. I just don't see the Packers paying that for Aaron Jones, and he may have to – to go to a place like a Miami where it won't be $15 million. I saw somebody suggest yesterday $15 million for Aaron Jones. No, 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 no. The only way he's going to get anything close to that is from the Packers, and they're not going to do it. I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's imperative to their success. I think he's really good. The one thing I do like about him, he's one of the few, if not the only, really game-breaker on their offense. You know, that would be one thing. When we talk about weapons – you know, listen, Devontae Adams is really good. I know that. You're never going to hear me say Devontae Adams is a top five wide receiver in football. You're not going to hear that come out of Chris Sims' mouth. It ain't happening. The playoffs showed that. He can disappear. He's not a pure physical specimen that he's going to catch slants and go 70 yards or run by people for 60-yard bombs. That's not what he is. He's kind of a uh, really good route runner. He does everything well, but he's not that guy. Aaron Jones at least brings that element, but that, just like you're talking about, brings us back to the running back conversation. 
And it's just where do you lie on that? Because we could sit there and go, well, McCaffrey got a big contract and didn't play very or didn't play this year because he was hurt. Ezekiel Elliott, that's been a disaster so far. That would scare the hell out of you. But there are the Derrick Henrys and Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, Cook. They right? All panned out. That panned out. So that's where you're going to have to kind of get your feel for there. But, but you know, you're right. The 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 market is, I think, going to dictate the Aaron Jones situation. And I can't imagine the Green Bay Packers bending over backwards to, like you talked about, spending fourteen, fifteen million dollars on Aaron Jones. He's really good. I don't think he's in the class of the guys we just talked about. I don't. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to him because I really like him, his family. We've met him and all of that. But I don't think he's McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, or uh, or uh, who am I missing? Alvin Kamara. I don't. I don't think he's that, that quality of a player. I, I love Aaron Jones, and we had the whole family up on the stage right. with us last year when we were at the Super Bowl, and he, and he is a great human being, but – it's not a great position at which to make a ton of money. I still remember Ben Tate a few years ago. Remember him? He was a second rounder out of, was it Auburn, I think, that played at Houston, uh, yeah, played uh, for the Texans. Yeah. He said at, so. well, he said at one point, if if I had to do it all over again, I'd have been a safety. I mean, that that's what the position's become. And, it, and look, it's starting to go the other direction. But you mentioned McCaffrey. I mean, look, the guy's a tank. He's going to play through anything he can. And my guess is he was busting his butt to try to get the Panthers back on the field after his, his ankle injury. But the position you play is going to cause those injuries. It's the nature of the position. And there are very, 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 very few human beings that can take that pounding and keep going. Emmett Smith, that's why he's the all-time leading rusher. He could take yeah, that pounding right. and just keep going. Unbelievably, you saw it. Broke your heart in 1993 when the Cowboys beat the Giants week 17 to take the one seed that year. Uh, and uh, yeah, th th it's there aren't many guys that can do it. And, uh, and there are plenty of guys out there who every year coming out of college football, you block for them, you trust them to hold on to the football. Right. You trust them in pass protection. You can plug them right in. Yeah, I, that, that's, that would be you know my general thought. I'd have a hard time paying – you know, some of some of these running backs, unless my offense was really orchestrated around that guy. I really that's where I would have a hard time. And those other guys we talked about, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and of course McCaffrey was hurt. The offense was about them. It is about them. It starts there. That's not the case in Green Bay. That is not the case. And we see too many young running backs come in every year and make things happen that way. And, of course, when you got a guy like Rodgers, too, he's going to make sure the running game is in the right look and the right play every time. He's never – that's the other thing. When you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers where everybody's worried about the pass and him and stopping that – you know, he has shown that he's willing to hand the ball off. Oh, you're going to play too deep? You're going to do this? All right. All right, well, you're going to overload this side? We'll run to the other side. He's very beneficial to what the running back success is as well. So I don't think their offense is predicated on that. Their offense doesn't need much. It does not need much. I mean, Tunyon, Tanyan uh, is – Tunyon. Tunyon, right. I know, I know. Right. Always remember, rhymes with fun. Yes, Tunyon is very good. You know, the receiving core is solid. Devontae Adams is really awesome. Yeah, I don't think he's top five, but he's really awesome. I'd like to see them, okay, don't spend the farm on Aaron Jones, and let's go get another playmaker at wide receiver, a real difference maker, a game changer. And then Antonio you got Brown. Well, right. Or, you know, I don't know <laughs> who's somebody out there that's along those molds. And then, hey, you got the A.J. Dillon. And of course, you can go back to the draft and get guys this year or maybe even free agency find a guy or two that way. But really, their offense to me, that it boils down to that. I, I, I have more issues with their their defense than anything else at, at this point. And I think they're going to be throwing some guys overboard. You look at Preston Smith; he kind of disappeared this disappeared. year relative to what he did the year before. Right? Cap savings. They got it. They got to create some cap space. And I think some of those guys are going to be on the chopping block. And meanwhile, Mike Pettin is out as the defensive coordinator. So they're they're making some changes there. And I don't I don't know where this Packers team is. Thirteen and three. Thirteen and three. Two straight years. Pretty impressive. It's going to be difficult to pull 13 wins again in 2021, Chris. I mean, yes, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. Of course, it's it's been very impressive. This was their year. 
This was their year. I mean, they blew the NFC Championship game. Brady, you know, had a bad moment. It was there for the taking. But they messed it up. This was their year. And, then of course, with the way Kansas City looked and the injuries in the Super Bowl, you go, well, they could have very easily won the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they would have or anything like that, but it certainly would have been, you know, interesting to watch. I'm not trying to take anything for granted there. But, yeah, the, the you know, Preston Smith did disappear this year. They got a guy like Rashawn Gary who they drafted in the first round two years ago. So what happens there? You're right. That might be an area they can trim some fat. But their defense and their front, to me, is where it starts. You know, yeah, could they use another corner? I would think Kevin King is probably out of there, right? Because he's going to be one of those guys where nobody's going to even want to look. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to want to look at him in the facility this year because they're just going to think about the NFC Championship game every time they look at him. And it's just going to be like that's when coaches are like, ah, we, I like him. I'm sorry, but – he brings a bad vibe to the organization at this point. It might be best for us to both move on. And it's really the front I look at. Middle linebackers, defensive front. Again, we saw for the second year in the NFC Championship game that their defensive line is it's solid. Nothing more than that. I mean, when Leonard Fournette wanted to run the ball up the middle for five yards, they ran it right up the middle. I mean, nothing. Just And as we talked about at that time, they literally just said, everybody go forward and we'll push them back and get six yards. And that's what they did. So to me, that's where the most work has to be done in that front seven of that Green Bay defense. The, the uh, other side of the ball on the offense, specifically the line. David Bakhtiari coming off the torn ACL, suffered during a practice late Oof, in the season. Yeah. And if Corey Lindsley leaves, and a point that Pete makes, that that you know every year I have to remind myself of this, the franchise tag, the way that the categories are structured, anyone offense, off, on the offensive line goes into the same bucket, which means it's a left tackle That's tag. That's crazy. That's just and, – and that so makes no sense. The center, the, the base franchise tag is going to make him the highest-paid center in football simply by applying it if they would. That's that's a fairly important position for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You better have a plan uh, at center that involves someone other than Ryan Lin- – or Corey Lindsley, excuse me, if Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be available or isn't going to have his starting center available. That's going to make that offer of hosting Jeopardy a lot more attractive when it comes in June. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, I know. Yeah, it's, a, it's a huge position. I would – I think at this point, I, I would probably after tackle, I would say center is the, 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 the most important position on the offensive line now. To me, it's kind of trumped guards and everything like that because – you know, all the defenses, all they do, you got to have that general up there that can get all five guys on the same page. And just think about being a, a center in the NFL. I mean, a center in the NFL, I can't tell you how many times, especially early in my career, I stuck my hands underneath the center, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, go. I know this won't be dirty. It was, you know, of course, Swamp Ass was always there, but That's I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there going, can this can this guy that's gonna snap me the ball really snap me the ball and block that guy at the same time? Can he really do that? Like, especially when you have an overpowering defensive tackle that way. It's a special talent to be that quick to snap the ball and then snap up and block somebody like that. You have to be an incredible, explosive, powerful athlete. And uh it is an important position. I I, I don't doubt that, but yeah, price tag is going to be part of this issue, and I don't know if they feel like they got somebody coming up in the ranks, one of these young guys that can do it. Uh, but you're right; they got to figure that out somehow, some way. I mean, you you think about how teams value left tackles. The center position is is critical. Think about those guys. You're, you're, you're the facing. guy, right? You're the guy who you're lining up and you're you're spotting who's where, and you're adjusting protections in most situations, and then yeah. The instant after the ball is gone, whether it's shotgun or whether it's straight up to the quarterback, you're getting blasted. It's Aaron you're Donald. It's Chris Jones. Yes. You're like, oh my god! I mean, that that it's an it's it's a really interesting skill set those guys have. They're special athletes in a ten yard area. You know, some of those centers they they could beat like you know wide receivers in a five or ten yard race. They can be incredibly explosive and strong that way. Uh, in a, a very important position. But we'll see where it goes. I mean, I think we both agree Green Bay's in a good spot. Rodgers is awesome. We'd like to see another weapon. Yeah. I mean, hey, again, look at Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Okay. that I mean, it just says it all. I mean, it, it's Aaron Rodgers. Give him some freaking help. Give him another guy. It's, he's still one of the three best quarterbacks in football. There is no doubt about that. So – 
I, I just I'll be mad again if they don't make some sort of move to help him out and make that offense a little bit more explosive. To me, it's too much still on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. It's still about Rodgers having to get everybody in the right play, make the right throw. It's not like people are wide open to get, you know, on that offense all the time. And you heard the coach say it. He's the lifeblood, the soul of the football team. Come on now. Let's go all in with it. I just still uh, I'm just fascinated by the possibility that we're going to have a June or July sudden retirement because stop it. New host of Jeopardy is Aaron Rodgers. No. That would I I it just I, I how could he say no to it easily? Can say no to it? Can't say no to it. Can't say no to it. If that door opens, you cannot. If you're oh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Jeopardy can wait. And and they're not, no, it can't. No, it can't because whoever takes that job is never letting go of it. They're not going to fire the person once Aaron Rodgers becomes available. Man, all right, Chicago Bears. They're firing all their quarterbacks. Mitchell Trubisky will, well, who knows what's going to happen with the quarterback position. They still got Nick Foles under contract. Mitch Trubisky is a free agent. They may keep him. He may be the one that they decide after looking at late season film. Maybe he's our best option. That's the question for the Chicago Bears. Above all others, who will the quarterback be? They were never really in the Carson Wentz thing because Carson Wentz didn't want to go there. So they need to find somebody, one, who's available, and two, wants to be there. I don't know who that is, Chris. I don't know who that is either, Mike. I mean, it's it's that's it's a big one. It really is. First off, yeah, I, I, I mean, Trubisky, the way they played, Everything like that. Do I think they can win with Trubisky? Yeah, I do. You know, but I don't know. Is the city going to accept that back? Do they still want to see that? Is it going to be tremendous pressure on that? You know, is Matt Nagy going to change and change the way he plays? Are they going to be that team that we saw, you know, towards the end of the year? Uh, I, I think those are all big questions. I mean, I of course, we know they're looking for an upgrade at that position. There's no doubt. But who is that going to be? I don't know. Are they laying in the weeds or maybe to see what happens with the Jets and Sam Darnold and that situation? That's certainly there. But I think at the very least, like, you know, they're, they're not going to get Deshaun Watson. We know that. I don't think they're getting Russell Wilson. And honestly, I think a lot of the like, if, if those guys were named to be there, they're going to look at that and go, wait, I don't know if I want to go play in that offense. That offense is just, it's been extremely underwhelming, extremely underwhelming. So they got to get that situation figured out, let alone to go with that, the offensive line. I mean, those are the two biggest areas on their football team, and they go hand-in-hand hand with the success of the offense. The, the, the problem, I think, for any quarterback who has the opportunity to be the starter for the Bears is that the message that ultimately came from the team after the season, a lot like the message that came from the Lions last year, we're sticking with the guys we have, but it feels like it's a prove-it situation. So... Who's the pressure on? The new guy coming through the door, the new quarterback, he's trying to save jobs because if it all goes to hell, everyone's going to be gone. And then if you sign a multi-year contract as the quarterback, you're in a situation where after one year, there may be a new GM, there may be a new head coach. I've just moved to Chicago. I made the commitment, and they're done with me with the new regime. So I think that's going to make guys who have options reluctant. I'm still fascinated by the possibility of Alex Smith Reunion with Matt Nagy, yeah. time together in Kansas City, configure the offense for him. But I think at the end of the day, it's maybe maybe it's Trubisky backed up by Alex Smith. Maybe that's the answer. Well, I I I would it, it could be. I don't have an issue with that. I don't. You know, I I, I kind of said that you know when I was on some stations there in Chicago towards the end of the year. I mean, they're closer to the top than they are the bottom. So you better be careful about abandoning ship and doing all of that. And I do think. Trubisky got his confidence back a little bit towards the end of the year. He did do some good things. There's no doubt about that. And if they can play a certain way and use his athleticism in the run game and bootlegs and all that and, and really build around that aspect of his game, you know, again, yes, I do think they can win. I mean, I'm, I'm, it was only, what, two years ago or th it was three years ago. He drove them down, divisional playoff game. I mean, our wild card game, right? It was the wild card game. Drove them down to make a very easy, winnable field goal kick, and they didn't come through. So it's not like he's the worst thing in the world. If you give him some support, this team has a lot of key pieces. I mean, 
Can they re-sign Allen Robinson? I don't know. Does he want to go back there? I don't know. He's a really good player. I don't look at their offense having, you know, tremendous roster issues. I don't. I just think they got to fix that old line and they got to figure out that quarterback situation. And of course, their defense is damn good too. And what did we talk about an hour ago? The psychology of a team in the offseason as it relates to looking at what went right, looking at what went wrong, how we can build on the success we had. So for the Bears right now, as they're breaking down what happened in 2020, they may be warming up to the idea of Mitch Trubisky. The challenge is getting the fans to warm up to it, too. I think the fans are wired to reject anything. Yes that the team does yes. anything unless, unless they can, can somehow get Deshaun Watson, which isn't happening or Russell Wilson, which isn't happening or go back in time and take Patrick Mahomes when they could have taken him instead of Trubisky, the, the fans are not going to be placated by anything they do. And I think the organization just needs to understand we're going to take a hit no matter what our move is. Let's make the move that we think is right. And then when we win games in September and October, they'll shut the hell up about it. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're right. They're going to be critical. Unless they bring a superstar in, you're right. They're going to be critical no matter what. Because there's a sense there that this, this regime can't evaluate quarterbacks. So they're going to have to deal with that stigma. And especially with Nick Foles not working and all of that. To me, it's less about the quarterbacks and more about the offense. I mean, we saw that. They finally adjusted a little at the end of the year and stopped trying to, you know, squish the, the, the round peg into the square hole. That, that was a big thing. Uh, and the way they played towards the end of the year finally helped their defense out too. I mean, their defense is damn good. They don't need a whole lot on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, really, they, they need more out of guys like Robert Quinn, who they paid a lot of money, and he didn't do anything last year. Khalil Mack is very good but not been the superstar that I think they were hoping for. And, and, and don't forget this aspect, too. They didn't have one of the best nose tackles in football last year because of the COVID opt-out. Eddie Goldman is one of the best interior defense alignment in all of football. You add him to the mix with Akeem Hicks and those two guys we just talked about on the edge and then Trevathan and Roquan Smith in the middle – Damn, I'll take I'll put that front seven up there just about against anybody. Secondary with Eddie Jackson and Fuller, you know, there's there's enough there to go around to go, it's pretty good. Yeah, maybe a little, you know, polish here and there, but I don't think it's a team that's incredibly far off. But they got to figure out how they're going to play on offense according to who their quarterback is, and the big thing is I think more than anything on their team is, you know, quarterback and offensive line. They got to fix that damn offensive line there in Chicago. Yeah, I agree with you. They, they have a lot that they need to do to get back to where they were last year. They got to the playoffs, and, and they've got other teams in the division that are trying to catch up and, to them. Anybody? Oh, I was going to say, anybody out there else at quarterback that you think of that's, you know, a possibility, right? I, 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 I don't – I mean, nothing excites me as I think about it. I don't know. You know, I really don't. The one I do look at is that New York Jets situation and what they do. And are they going to take a quarter? Like, li listen, if they put Sam Darnold on the market, you know, that's telling everybody, oh, they're drafting a quarterback at two. And I wouldn't think you'd have to trade the farm to get Sam Darnold. I mean, there's certainly questions there. And he's ha he has been injured. And with them putting on the market, they're basically telling you they don't want him. So that lessens his value, too. I mean, that's one that jumps out to me. That really does. Other than that, I, I can't – I mean, there's not a free agent out there that I think, ooh, that moves the needle. That So uh, I, I'm interested to see how this plays out for them at this position. And Bears fans won't be happy with Sam Darnold. They won't be happy with anyone. So make the best decision that you think is going to result in wins right out of the gates. That is the only way to get the fans in Chicago behind what the Bears do at quarterback. They're going to have to prove it with whoever they decide to go with. All right, we're going to take a break. A little game of what's more likely when we return with the other teams in the NFC North, the Vikings and the Lions. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win. 
defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Simsisms. Concrete line in the sand. That, to me, is probably the reason, you know, there's a really concrete line right now in the sand, a concrete line in the sand. You know, that's hard to do, but you can do it, all right? But... I think with that, <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. Uh, 27 that was totally... minutes. That's <laughs> yes. good. We're back, baby. Yeah. Simsisms. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was right out of the gates after a week off. See what that week of rest and relaxation and detox did for you. You, you, you. Yep. Right. We're right. First segment back. We're back, baby. A, That's right. Another entry. In an ever-growing volume, Simsism 1. We may have to go Simsism 2 at some point. It, it may be good enough to merit a second edition. We did have so. Diamond in the Haystack today, too, which uh, yes, I, we I'm did. very good at doing. <laughs> Thank yes, you. we did. It's, Thank it's you. flagged. That one has been flagged, and it will be added to the list. What All right, what's more likely coming out of the NFC North, the Vikings and the Lions specifically? What's more likely, Kirk Cousins plays the next two seasons with the Vikings or is traded, Chris? I'm going to say he plays the next two seasons with the Minnesota Vikings. I am. You know, again, we've, we've hit a few of these guys lately. I know, you know, Derek Carr and, and everybody else, but he's a, he's a fringe top 10 quarterback, and he makes plays for your offense. It's just tell me better options out there. Listen, I know if you can trade and get to Sean Watson, cool. Uh, Russell Wilson, great. But, I mean, I don't think that's realistic. So, Kirk Cousins, you can win with. So, I think he's going to stay there the next two years. What do you think there, Minnesota Un fans? Unless I, I, th I think he's staying. I think he's staying because trading him, unless you do get some sort of a superstar-level guy that creates a ton of excitement and gets ownership to say, we understand that it's going to be difficult to get the most out of this right away, that secures Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman for another year. I mean, I, I hate to be this cynical about it, but I've been covering the sport for 20 years there's an element of what decision is more likely to get me fired and if you if you trade Kirk Cousins and you don't have a great replacement you're more likely to get fired after this year yeah Kirk Cousins is more likely to save Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman so yeah they're more likely to keep him even if it means that they're going to pay him 35 million next year fully guaranteed and it becomes fully guaranteed the third day of the league year March 19 of this year and Cousins told us on PFTPM week of the Super Bowl, he didn't come out and say it this way, but the message unavoidably was, I'm not doing anything with my contract. I'm not extending it. I got two years left. And you know what? Two years from now, he's going to hit the open market again. The Vikings will not use the franchise tag on him. He'll be entitled to a 44% raise over his cap number as of 2022 because he's been tagged twice before. That right. stays with you from team to team. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah that, that they're stuck. They're stuck, and it's two years left with Kirk Cousins to go with the three that he's already played, and he's made it to the playoffs once in three years. So uh, I, I bet he'll. I bet they'll do it again this year. I bet they'll get back. They won't get very far, but it'll be enough to justify the one more year, and then and then they make their decisions after twenty twenty two at quarterback. Chris. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that's you know crazy thought. Certainly, he's played. Again, I don't think we viewed last year's team as a playoff caliber team to going into the year with all the changes they made on the defensive side of the ball, trading Stephon Diggs. But, hey, they made it competitive there for a little while where you went, ooh, are they going to get back in this thing? And, of course, he was a big part of it. The one thing I'll say about Kirk Cousins, he, 
He is a really good down the field thrower. They don't he doesn't throw a lot of like dink and dunk easy passes. I mean, we we watched all year. It's it's play action, bootleg, whoa, there's a 25-yard deep cross to Justin Jefferson. Whoa, there's a, you know, 40-yard post to Adam Thielen. Uh the degree of difficulty of his throws, it's pretty up there on the Richter scale and and he delivers more times than not. I don't know that the Richter, the Richter scale would be scale. the scale. But for the degree of difficulty, but but regardless of that, you know they have a special talent in Justin Jefferson, and I think as we're in this period of the off season where guys are coming up with ideas, coaches are brainstorming, showcase Justin Jefferson. Let's not bring back the Randy ratio. Vikings fans of the mid two thousands may remember that right. failed effort by Mike Tice. You don't force it to the guy but let's use him more aggressively and extensively than they did last year. What's more likely, the Vikings sign Anthony Harris, team safety who was franchise tagged last year to a long-term deal before free agency starts, or he ends up with another team? I, I think he's going to end up staying there. I, I don't know how you feel. It's a tough one for me. I mean, you know, there's always a lot of – they're not in the best salary cap situation, uh, but it is Mike Zimmer. We know how he values the secondary – Harrison Smith is, you know, getting up there in years. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that Anthony Harris finds his way back in Minnesota. What, what do you think there? Well, I think last year was the time to do it. The problem is when you tag him once at 11.4 million and you yeah, don't work out a long-term deal. And I think the failure to work out a long-term deal resulted directly from the fact that the Vikings didn't want to value the long-term deal based on the franchise tag number. This year, I'm gonna do the math real quick. Eleven point four four million last year. This year it's thirteen point seven million to tag him. That's also relevant because that's uh, the starting point for the long term mm. deal. I, I think that I think that they they uh may not tag him. Yeah. And uh he may head to a place like Cleveland where he'd reunite with Kevin Stefanski. There was talk last year the Browns trading for him after he was tagged. Actually, I I'll change my answer. I, I think you're right. He's not gonna be there. I d I don't. They got they got too many other things they gotta worry about. You know they got you know, they got Harrison Smith. I think as I sat there and talked that out myself, no, they got some young guys in the secondary. They got Harrison Smith. They got two good middle linebackers. They need defensive line help. That's one thing they need for sure. They got to like really all across the board. So uh, I'll change my mind. You're right. He's not going to be there this year. And he's going to be 30 in October. You know, I didn't. You think of him as the young guy, you know, but he was undrafted. I heard Pete say and, that. Yeah. Yeah, they coached him up, and uh, I think there's a point where you just have to say, we can find another guy that we'll coach up again, that he's right. a product of our system and our coaching, and we can find someone else that that's that, that lump of clay we can mold into the kind of defensive back that we want. All right, let's go to Detroit real quickly. What's more likely, Jared Goff proves us all wrong, or he's cut after one year with the Lions? Um, I mean, if you're going to give me one of those two choices right there, I'm going to go cut after one year. I don't think he's going to prove us all wrong. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I don't. I've seen enough film. I would be shocked. It's, it would have to be a drastic change in his game, his throwing, you know, his his feel in the pocket, and really – even for a guy like him who wasn't asked to do a ton, he wasn't the greatest at managing the games either. So if you're going to give me one of those two options, I'm going he's cut after next year. You know, the, the guaranteed money spills into 2022 how, and, and how certain elements of it. Cer I'd have to look it up again. Yeah. I, I It was well over $40 million for two years, and certain elements of it don't have an offset obligation. So they're, they're so they stuck They might be stuck. Them. Okay. They might be stuck. It could be benched after one year. Could be they keep them around. Could be they do a hot potato trade to someone else after one year. But uh, I, I have a feeling that, that this is a two-year commitment, whether he plays well or not in 2021. I just don't think the Lions are expecting much no, of anything no, from the team right. this year. They're consciously taking a step back. So I don't think that Goff's performance would fairly be judged based on one year as getting rid of him. So I think he's there for at least two years. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we return, a draft inspired by one specific artifact that has made it to Canton. We'll explain that and we'll do our draft when PFT Live continues right after this. The face shield, famously worn by Andy Reid in the 2020 season. Who can forget the opener when it fogged up? He needed like a windshield wiper on the inside. Intermittent cycle. Not the whole time, just once every few seconds. That is now 
on display at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a very rare artifact that presumably will return to the possession at some point of Andy Reid. So that inspired, thanks to Pete Demolitis, who's very creative when it comes to these things, better him than me, a draft idea. The NFL artifact, specific item that we would want to own. This can go in a lot of different directions, and I have... Not that the first pick really matters today because it's not like there's some obvious one out there, not that I can think of. Still, we have to do the trivia question. Chris, who is the only Pro Football Hall of Famer to wear jersey number 0-0? Oh, man. I don't think I do know this one. Hold on. Womp, womp, womp. Go ahead. I don't know this. Jim Otto, Raiders Center. Oh, Jim Otto. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been able to think of that. I would not. That did not register in my brain. So I'm. I'm off on that one. Go ahead. You get the first pick. Not a historian today. <laughs> the the last the last guy that I remember wearing double zero in the NFL was Ken Burrow, of the then Houston Oilers. If you that was before your time, but I had a jersey. It wasn't a Burrow jersey, but it was a. It was a football jersey, like those generic ones that you could buy at Sears, yeah. and it was double zero. And I loved it. I was proud of it. So it was like casual day at school once because we had to wear a uniform. It was a Catholic school. So I wore my, my double zero jersey, and I was very proud of it. And somebody said to me, oh, is that your IQ? And the double zero jersey was never worn again. Yes. So um, yes. <laughs> that was the end. The, the double zero jersey, Pete, is long, long gone. All right. First item that I would like to have in my personal collection I got to start with the first thing I thought of last night. Now, let me let me go full transparency. There's one thing that I thought of last night that I forget now. Oh. And there's another one that I thought of last night that I was afraid I would forget, but I remember. So I'm going to go with the one that I remember, obviously. The Fresca bottle next to Len Dawson in that iconic photo of him smoking at halftime of the first Super Bowl, somewhere in a landfill in Southern California right. resides that Fresca bottle. I want that Fresca bottle. That is That amazing. would be the ultimate thing to have. There it is, old school Fresca bottle, on the floor, folding chair, cigarette, Len Dawson, I want that fresco. Oh my gosh, look at that! And then the, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think I'd rather have the cigarette butt. I mean, just <laughs> let's let's get that. That's amazing. I mean, it really is to think that they were smoking cigarettes, and it's so funny too because like, I, there there was a sense that smoking cigarettes would open up your lungs at that time, and it became like a, a thing. Like that was crazy, but that's a good one. Very creative by you. Very creative. Ultimate. I mean, that picture itself. If you could get that signed by. Len Dawson would be something I'd put in my house. So good one to start off there. The first thing that popped in my head, Tom Landry's hat. I want Tom Landry's hat in my showcase. I mean, I don't know. Is there really a piece of clothing that signifies anybody more in the history of the NFL than that hat? I mean, I, I you know, again, I grew up in, you know, the eighties and and Big Phil was playing the Dallas Cowboys, and of course, his his silhouette is just stained in my brain forever, let alone being, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He came from the New York Giants and all that. So that would be the first thing that that I would take. My dad was of the generation that wore fedoras. We had a couple of fedoras in the house with the big hat box. Love that it. Came in the hat box was so cool. It was this giant box. You open it up, and there's the hat that smelled like dad. Not in a bad way. It just, it just, you know what I mean. You wear it all the time. Yeah. You start, it starts to smell like dad. Right. Um. Tom Landry talked about wearing a cowboy hat when he became the coach of the Cowboys. His wife, who passed away not that long ago, said, wear a fedora. And that was it. She also apparently had a role in the star on the side of the helmet. So huge influence wow, by I didn't know that. Mrs. Landry. Uh, next one for me, and this is another old school one, but this is an item that has always fascinated me for a variety of reasons. But Bob Greasy playing football with glasses on. Not the John Jefferson, right. you know, action Like frame, real glasses. Actual glasses. <laughs> I, I want a pair of those glasses uh. and say, yeah, there's a guy that actually played football wearing glasses like you'd, like you'd wear, you know, to read the newspaper in the morning while you're drinking your coffee. Yeah, that. I mean, that's that, that shot right there. That's hilarious, first off. That really is. I mean, how does... How do you not hit him in the face when he's wearing glasses like that? I mean, especially in that day and age, they were like, that was like commonplace, an elbow into your face or something like that.
But that was the old line. That was one of the first lines that I learned. One of the first rules of etiquette I learned from watching cartoons. You wouldn't hit a hit a guy who wears glasses. So <laughs> maybe maybe football players stopped short. Maybe that was his protection. Wearing right. the glasses because that was the rule. You didn't hit a guy who wore glasses. I, I like. I, I feel like. I, I mean, a lot of mine are old too. I, I don't know. Again, it's like I. I'd love to have Brady's Super Bowl Fifty One MVP trophy, like something like that. Like the, I'd love that. It's not my choice, but I'm, I'm going back to the the old days too. Here again, I would love to have Johnny Unitas's helmet. From the 1958 NFL Championship game, that would—I mean—that that is very specific. I, I, but you know, that's the game that put the NFL on the map, right? I mean, the, the iconic picture, you know, of the the Colts running back running through the middle there at Yankee Stadium, and Johnny using the background, you know, Alan Amici. Yes, thank you, Pete, for saving me there. But Johnny Unitas, of course, was the original. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, whatever you want to say. He was that guy. Uh, to me, that that will always be etched in my brain when I think of the history of football. I keep thinking of more that I would want. Like, I would want the the Jim McMahon headband that had Roselle written on it. I had a headband fine. from Jim McMahon. From Jim uh, McMahon. There you go. It didn't say Roselle. Was that when you were out in the hall throwing the tennis ball at the at the wall outside of his room? In the Pro is that, Bowl. Is that when you got it? Yeah. Right, right. I'm at the Pro Bowl, and I'm bored. I'm six and a half. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, you know? And he, I'm sitting out in the hallway. My parents probably like, get out of the room. Go do something. So I'm in the hallway. Who knows what they were doing in the room? But either way, I'm throwing the ball against the wall, and all of a sudden, Jim McMahon comes out, and he's like, what the hell's going on out here? And, you know, of course, I look just like my dad, and I think he put two and two together pretty quickly. Uh, but he came out and gave me one of the headbands, and that was like, a, I mean, couldn't be cooler. <laughs> What's I'm making you laugh there? The Christopher, Chris, Christopher, Christopher, go play in the hallway. I just need 15 minutes. Um. <laughs> Dirty Diana and Big Phil getting after it. <laughs> uh, next, next one for me. Uh this is one you'll like. You'll like this one. Because I remember noticing this from the moment that I got the issue of Sports Illustrated, early 1991. Everson Wall's on the cover. Ooh. Super Bowl twenty-five victory mm. with the yellow wristband that was in honor of the troops because the, the, yeah. uh, the first Iraq war had started. There it is. The yellow wristband. I want that yellow wristband. Yeah. Man, that is a I mean, you're great. You got really creative. That that was, you know, of course I was there. That was very special. What are you still laughing at me? What I'm still thinking about you. <laughs> All right, you got one more pick. All right. Um I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go with the fur coat. I mean, I just I got to go with the fur coat of Joe Namath. It just another one that's come on. Uh, Wait, the one he wore when he when he upstaged your dad at Super Bowl Forty. Either one, I'll take either one. Oh, there it is, there it is. Look at that guy. <laughs> it's amazing. It's absolutely uh, amazing. Look at look at Big Phil trying it on. I mean, first off, it's Broadway Joe. He's one of the first like real commercial superstars in the history of the NFL. That story <laughs> right there is hilarious because he he. He sandbagged my dad, really. He wanted to make sure my dad was going to dress real, you know, conservative and normal. Are you just going to wear a, you know, a blazer? Yeah, blazer, blazer. Okay, Phil, all right, I'll wear a blazer too. And he showed up in that. And then if you remember this too, remember when he flipped the coin before the game, before they told him to flip it? He just flipped it in the air when he was ready and they had to tell him to stop and he had to do it over. Uh, Joe Willie, one of the greatest personalities in the history of the NFL. Can we cycle back through the photos? Because there's there's one specific one. I think it's the next one. Was this the look on your dad's face right there when he asked you to go out in the hallway for 15 <laughs> <Hey>. minutes? <laughs> yeah, might have been. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hear um, about this from my parents. Later <laughs> good, good. Uh, Aunt Wendy's probably already texting you. The the, the other I had a, I had a couple others. I, I want the water bottle that Randy Moss used when he sprayed the official oh my in the gosh. playoff loss to the greatest show-offs on turf in 1999. I want that water bottle. Oh, that's a really good one. There I, it is. Oh, my gosh. Like Well what? done. That's amazing. Randy Moss is amazing. How about the um, – I would love to have the Vince Lombardi trench coat, right, that you see him on and, like, that he would wear. That, to me – Wow, that's another thing that's to me goes almost like with the the fedora of Tom Landry and 
the Earl Campbell tearaway jersey. That was another one that I would go, uh, that was amazing. I mean, just one of the greatest players of all time, one of the five, six best running backs in the history of the sport that I feel like never really gets mentioned in those, you know, conversations, but pretty cool. That's amazing. The last one I would want, the Jeff Hostetler shoes into which a 10-year-old Christopher David Sims sprayed shaving cream. <laughs> special. That would Very be awesome. Special. With the can of Barbasol right next to it so you can <laughs> yes. explain it. What's the best thing you currently have? I'm sure you've got something good. What's the I, best thing you have? Yeah, um, mm, man. I, you know, I do have a, a Brady autographed helmet that's very special to me. I got a Troy Aikman uh, autographed helmet. Uh, I, you know, I got some cool things that were really signed to my dad. Like he has like some autographs that Joe Joe Montana wrote like a personal note on there. They're really funny. I can't. I'm not gonna say them live here on TV. Yeah. But those are some of the cool things that we got around uh, our house. I, I got two things down in the barn that are very very special to me. One is my dad's old croupier stick. He used to deal dice back in the day, and that croupier stick has got to be a hundred years old, and it is awesome. It's mounted on the wall. And the other thing that I have, and, and I can't say who it is, but there was a time. When an NFL head coach in advance of a big game, a Sunday night football game at some point over the past decade, had a play that he was going to use and he wrote it up. He said, I'm going to use this and it's going to work. And he mailed it to me and he used it and it worked and it scored a touchdown. I know. So, I, you've told I, me the story, it, but yeah, I've got good. it. I've got it in a, in a case down there. And I'm always afraid it's going to walk away. It's amazing. I'm always afraid it's going to disappear. I need to lock it up or something. And he but, stole yeah, it from another cool. team, if I don't, if yes. I remember right. Yes. And then he's, yes. I'm doing it and this it week, and it'll and work. He called a shot. It's yeah. going to work. Right. All right, we got to go to break. More PFT live right after this. NFL is getting closer and closer to 17 regular season games. The plan, and this was reported most recently by Mark Maskey of the Washington Post, 17. And three preseason games. Stick with 20. It's been 20 total games forever. Really, as far as I can remember, back when it was 14 regular season games, it was six preseason games. So I think that's the reason why they're trying to get the TV deals done, Chris. They want to get the deals done and then say we're going to have 17 games this year and beyond. Well, and how much, Mike, how much are the players going to have a say in this? I mean, what? what They've already agreed to it. They've already agreed to it. That was last year. That was they last year. It. Man, I forgot about yeah. that. So, wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. I'm not sure I want it, but okay. I'll deal with it. I mean, you know, I think we're pretty good with the current system, but okay. Well, it's all going to change, and all the records are going to be in play. Somebody's yeah. going to throw for 6,000 yards. Somebody's going to break Eric Dickerson's record and uh, all others. That's You're it right. for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Have see a great ya. Wednesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.